The following message is by Pastor Brandon Dyer of Windsor Christian Fellowship. For more information on our church, visit www.windsorchristianfellowship.org. Well, I'd like to ask you to take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12 will be speaking this morning on the merciful Lord of the Sabbath. When I was in college, in Bible college, I had a, a professor that would often say, context is king. He, had, he actually had a really nasally voice, so we, we can never quite tell if he was saying context is king or context is key. So it's like, context is king. And we, we can never tell. Was it context is king or was it context is key? But what he meant by that, and it really means the same thing, context is king, context is key. Basically, the context when we come to a biblical passage is really important whenever we're, uh, you never want to just take a couple verses out on their own. You want to make sure you look at the context around the verses. But context is king. So when we come to this morning's passage, it's very important that we remember the context. So look with me at the end of Matthew chapter 11. We're going to remember the context of of the passage of Matthew chapter 12. But Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28, Jesus said this, Come to me, all who are labor and and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we looked at this passage uh, just a couple weeks ago, I made the note that Jesus is calling everyone, regardless of, of background, to himself. Anybody who is weary, anybody who is burdened, all those who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying this to us. He's saying this to those whom you go and preach the gospel. Come to me, all you are weary and are heavy Laden, come to Christ and you will find rest for your weary souls. What a call, what a, what a promise from the mouth of Jesus that he will provide rest for those who are weary and for those who are burdened. And it is not by accident that as we come into chapter 12 that we find an, a really incredible example of the kind of burden, the, the yoke that, that, that the Pharisees had on the people. So we have to remember the specific people that Jesus was telling, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. He's talking to his fellow uh, brothers and sisters who are Jews, who are bearing the law, who are bearing even more than that, the nuances and the perspective of the religious leaders of that day, compounding the law onto the people, making the law an incredible burden, even beyond what it already was. So he's specifically in that passage talking to his fellow brothers and sisters, those who are Jews, and by extension, us as well. But look with me at Matthew chapter 12. We're going to see, as we come into Matthew 12, an example of the burden that the Pharisees had placed onto the Jews. So Matthew 12, beginning in verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him? How we entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, Something greater than the temple is here. 
And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a sheep, or how, how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. So again, remembering the context, what this passage does is show that Jesus is able and will do what he said that he would do. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest. And as we look at these verses, we see that he is fighting for the comfort and the rest of his disciples and for the man with the withered or, or the useless hand that he had. These disciples and this man had come to Jesus. They had come to him and they will find rest. Jesus will make good on his promise to those who come to him to find rest. He will give it to them. They would, these disciples and this man with the withered hand, they would find rest for their weary souls in Christ. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you in chapter 11. And it's in these verses where we actually get a glimpse of what that yoke looked like, of what the yoke of Christ looks like when it is placed on his disciples and then thereby placed on the man with the withered hand. It's a yoke that is easy, that helps assist in carrying the light burden of Christ. The two main events that happen within our passage this morning, they both occur on the Sabbath day. And it's important to remember that that the Sabbath day uh, was the holy day of the week that the Jews were to abide by. This goes all the way back to the book of Exodus. You remember, even in the Ten Commandments, right? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath day was and is part of the identity of the Jews. This is something that they do and did every single week. They were not to work. They were to make meals for the Sabbath day before the Sabbath and then eat the meal on the Sabbath day. They were not to go down and even get water on the Sabbath day. They were to refrain from all work. They couldn't even walk a certain distance away from their homes on this day. The Sabbath day was a very specific day, part of their identity, and it was meant for rest. Of course, God rested, you remember, in Genesis. He created the earth and all the universe in six days, and then he rested on the Sabbath on the seventh day. So following in this pattern, the Jews were to work six days a week and then rest on the, se- the seventh day. And this was a very good thing. Typically, this is even how it works out in our own lives. A lot of us uh, work five days a week, and then maybe on uh, Saturday or whatever, we do uh, work around the house or work in the yard or whatever, and then we come together on this day for a day of worship and for rest. So we're very similar in a lot of ways. But what had happened throughout the years in Israel was that the law of God began to be muddied with the opinions and the, and the, and the teachings of men. God said that the Sabbath was to be a day of rest, that all work was to cease on this day. But the question remained, what exactly is work? So don't work on this Sabbath day, but what exactly is work? And so what Jesus and his disciples do in these two accounts this morning, in the eyes of the Pharisees, is work. 
When the disciples are walking around in this grain field and they're plucking heads of grain, the Pharisees see that and they say, oh, you're working. When they see Jesus heal a man with a withered hand, they say, oh, you're working. Both scenarios, the Pharisees determined that what was being done was not lawful. So according to their own definitions, they are going to accuse Jesus and his disciples of doing what is not lawful. But what Jesus is going to make clear here is that at least in several ways, you can work on the Sabbath and not even break the laws. First, necessary work or or work as the result of need is acceptable on the Sabbath. There would be times in the lives of every single Jew uh, where a need would arise on the Sabbath and action would need to be taken in order to take care of that need that had arisen in their life on that day. The example that Jesus gives that we'll see in a few minutes is of David uh, in the tabernacle eating the showbread. He gives a second example of this as well with the illustration of priests in the temple who actually work on the Sabbath day, yet they are not guilty of profaning the day because it is required of the Lord that they are working on that day. It is necessary work. But first, necessary work is acceptable on the Sabbath. Jesus said and his disciples are walking around on the Sabbath day and they walk to the edge of this field and they go ahead and begin plucking uh, heads of grain in order to eat. Matthew was clear that this occurs on the Sabbath and that they were hungry. So the disciples plucked heads of grain and began to eat them. Obviously, I mean, Jesus was right there. They're plucking these heads of grain. They're doing it right in the presence of Christ. And so all is well. He's not telling them to stop. But all of a sudden, the Pharisees come along and immediately express their displeasure with the fact that the disciples were picking these heads of grain. You can almost hear them gasp. I mean, we've seen some interactions with Jesus and the Pharisees. You can almost hear these Pharisees just gasp, right? Look, look at what your disciples are doing, Jesus. It's kind of like the, the tattletale in school. Every school had a tattletale. Every family has a tattletale. My little sister. Um, but it was always, look, 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 look at what they're doing. Look, pointing it out to the teacher, pointing it out to mom and dad, trying to get that person in trouble, trying to catch them in the act of what they think you're doing wrong in order to tell on you, get you in trouble. But these Pharisees are essentially looking at these disciples and pointing at them saying, look, hey, hey, Rabbi, Rabbi Jesus, you've done some teaching and whatnot. Look at what your disciples are doing. Do you not know the law? Do you not realize that they should not be doing what they are doing, that they are working on the Sabbath day by picking a few heads of grain? So instead of seeing that just a casual grabbing of wheat to throw in their mouth to satisfy the hunger, the Pharisees say, they're harvesting. They're working. This is similar to maybe you going on a walk on a, on a Sunday afternoon or whatever in the woods, and you come across a blueberry bush, and you pick a few, and you eat them. No, nobody would consider that to be work. Would you would consider that to be work? If you had your buckets out, and you were on your hands and knees, and you were picking them all off and filling them up, maybe then you would consider that to be work. But nobody would consider the casual grabbing of a few blueberries on a walk to be work. But that's exactly what they were doing. And the Pharisees looked at this and said, your disciples are working. They're just grabbing a a few pieces of grain. They aren't harvesting. They don't have their tools out. They don't have their baskets out. Just their hands to satisfy their hunger. And this gives us an incredible picture of the Pharisees and what was going on within their own hearts. But it also shows us an incredible picture of what the burden was like on the Jewish people. It shows us what that yoke was like that the Pharisees had placed upon them. 
They, they were constantly looking around, trying to, trying to pick out somebody for disobeying their law. Always willing to point out if and when somebody was disobeying the law. You, you, you see that the heart of the Pharisees isn't to go up to these disciples and say, hang on a second. To spare you from plucking a few heads of grain, let me go to my house quick and I'll get you some bread so you don't have to do what I think is work. They don't even do that. That's not their heart. They don't have a heart of compassion in this. They just wanted to simply point out what they saw as wrong. Again, these Pharisees were placing an incredible burden on the people. They say that what the disciples are doing is not lawful, but that is actually not the case. The, the, the disciples were well within their bounds of the law, but the Pharisees were placing a heavy burden of extra rules and regulations onto the people that God and the law had never intended. The law itself was difficult enough to bear. You can imagine uh, this kind of, of, of system of rules and regulations that you would constantly have to follow, all, and, and then compounded on that would be all the nuances that the Pharisees had followed. But there are modern examples of this as well. I heard a story one time, and I can't quite source it. I think I was in Minnesota when I was told it. But then I looked up online and actually saw that these kinds of stories are very prevalent. But I heard a story about um, a Jewish man who went to his neighbor on the Sabbath day who was in the street. And he had his neighbor come into his apartment. And so he and, the, and his neighbor, they walk up into the Jewish man's apartment. He looked like something was wrong, like there was a problem of some sort. And when they finally got up to the apartment, he asked the neighbor if he would turn his air conditioner on. Because in order for him to turn on his AC, it would be considered work. It would be to break the laws concerning the Sabbath. What a burden that is. What a yoke that is. This is where as Christians, we just want to grab their shoulders and say, come to Jesus and you'll find rest for your weary souls. But what we need to realize is that the heart of the Pharisees was not just alive and well in these times. When they're looking in the grain fields and wondering if anybody's grabbing a few, it's almost like finding your hand in the cookie jar, right? Disciples' hands were in the cookie jar. The disciples are like, or the Pharisees are like, oh, look at you. But what we need to realize is that the heart of the Pharisees is still alive and well within the church. The Jews had the law that they were to obey. But the Pharisees, they had added more and more expectations to it. They compiled onto it. They followed certain traditions that added to the law. And if we're not careful, we can do the same exact thing. Where we say that you need to obey what's in the Bible and then you need to obey other rules and regulations that good Christians obey. And then God only approves of you when you obey both the Bible and the rules that we've added. So for a new Christian, oh that's great, you've trusted in Jesus. Here's your Bible, obey everything in it, but then here's a list of do's and don'ts that you need to obey as well. And then you will be a good Christian. Follow these good rules of do's and don'ts that good experienced Christians follow and then you will be um, approved in the eyes of God. But what a tragedy that is. That is sad. That is terrible. The technical term for this is called legalism, where we come up with a list of rules and regulations and then we impose them onto another person. 
It's one thing to have our, our own personal convictions. We all do. We all make personal stances. We all say, I'm not going to do this. The Bible doesn't say anything about X, Y, and Z. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not do these things or I am going to do these things. We all make those personal decisions. We all have personal convictions. We all have those kinds of choices that we have to make that are biblically informed. But at the same time, you cannot take your own informed um, positions and impose them onto another Christian. And to make the expectation that they need to obey something just because you, as an experienced Christian, have come down on a certain position. But this is exactly what the Pharisees had done. They were imposing extra rules, extra regulations onto the Jews. But what the Jews, what Jesus is going to do is strip away their perspective of the law and show them the real and true meaning of the law concerning the Sabbath. Look with me in verse 3. He begins with two examples. Verse 3, he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How we entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. So Jesus brings out the Old Testament account to make the point uh, that works of necessity or strong need are permitted on the Sabbath day. I love how Jesus responds to the Pharisees here. And then he does the same thing in verse 5. He says, have you not read? He says it twice. Have you not read? Have you not read? You Pharisees who supposedly know the Bible backwards and forwards, your experience in your relationship with God, you have, not, have you even read the Bible where it talks about David and the priest? We won't take the time to turn there, but in the book of 1 Samuel, David was on the run from King Saul with some of his men. And they go for quite a period of time where they're hungry and they need to eat. And so they come to the tabernacle um, in this extreme hungry and hunger. And basically what David does is he tricks, he does, he lies to the priest in order to get the priest to give him uh, some of the bread. There would be 12 loaves of bread within the tabernacle. You, that was the wrong moment. I was supposed to say, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so basically what David does is he goes ahead and he tricks the priest into giving him bread. There would have been 12 loaves of bread that were, sit, that were there in the tabernacle that were constantly be rotated and eaten by the priest. But these 12 pieces of bread uh, represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And it was not to be eaten by common people. So David was not to go to the tabernacle and just uh, begin eating this bread. This bread was specifically for the priests. Anyway, the, David and his men eventually get, they con this bread out of the priests. In other words, they did, really, they, they did what they shouldn't have done. But because David was famished, the rules were set aside in order for David to have some bread in order to continue to live. In other words, the bread being holy and from the tabernacle wasn't raised above the needs of a starving man. It, was this situation uh, something that was uh, ideal? No. But it was an exception to the rule. Far better for David to, to leave the house of God with a full belly than to leave the house of God hungry. In verse 5, Jesus brings up another example in the work that priests do within the temple on the Sabbath day. Look at verse 5. He says, Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple 
is here. So Jesus brings up these priests and says that what they do within the temple is actually work. But are they profaning the Sabbath? Absolutely not. They're not considered guilty because what they are doing is godly work. It is pious work. It is work for the sake of God and his people. Yet Jesus goes on to say that something greater than the temple is here. So he talks about the priests in the temple and the work that they do, and how they are not guilty because it is work on the Sabbath. But he goes on to say, something greater than the temple is here. It's a remarkable statement. Just like the Sabbath day was part of the identity of the Jews, the temple was as well. And Jesus says that something greater than the temple is here. Well, who's he talking about? Or what is he talking about? He's talking about himself. That he is present, that he is there, that he is greater than the temple. Jesus actually refers to himself in John chapter 2 verse 21 as the temple. The temple for the new covenant community, us, the church. The temple would no longer be the center of worship. Jesus would be the center of worship. The temple of the old covenant uh, points to the Messiah who would come and be the centerpiece of worship within the new covenant and throughout the rest of eternity. So now we we don't need to go to a temple. We don't even need to go to a location like this in in a church building to worship. We can worship him throughout the week personally. We could decide that we're going to meet down the road as a congregation and worship in there. We do not have to be in a special building anymore in order to worship God because he is there with us no matter where we are. So the disciples were plucking those heads of grain. To go back, they were plucking those heads of grain. The Pharisees have declared them as breaking the law. Jesus responds and says, it's appropriate to do works out of necessity on the, the, the Sabbath day. It's appropriate to do holy work on the Sabbath day as well. But Jesus goes on from here in verse 7 to reiterate something he has actually already said within the book of Matthew. Look down at verses 7 and 8. Or really verse 7. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. So these Pharisees were condemning the disciples as guilty for grabbing these heads of grain, and Jesus calls them guiltless. God desires mercy. The Pharisees look at the disciples and say, guilty. And Jesus looks at them and says, guiltless. The Sabbath day was to be a day of mercy. It wasn't to be a day of hardship. God's desire in giving the Jews a full day to the a full day to rest was not because he was trying to place a burden on them. It was to be merciful to them. You see, the Pharisees had a faulty perspective of this law. They turned the law concerning the Sabbath into bondage, whereas Jesus viewed the Sabbath day as a day of rest. The Sabbath was a a merciful day. And I think that what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is saying is that a day like the Sabbath was not meant to put people in bondage but that the Sabbath day was meant for the people. And acts of mercy are more than acceptable on the Sabbath day. I think we can apply this even in our own day, where we can lift certain places and days above acts of mercy. For instance, there will be times where you miss a worship service or a church gathering because you have the opportunity to show mercy to somebody else. Where you and your husband... 
you wives and husbands, maybe you've been at each other's throats all weekend. And finally, on Sunday morning, you are both broken and to the point where you need to display mercy and love to one another. Far better for you to take time and be merciful toward one another at home on a Sunday morning than to, and resolve that conflict than to come here on a Sunday morning and pretend that everything's okay. Or if you realize that as a father or a mother that you've been neglecting your kids and you say, no, you, you know what, we're just going to go away for the weekend and spend time together and you miss a service in order to express that kind of mercy to your children. Or maybe you miss a, a Wednesday night prayer meeting because you have an unsaved family over for supper that you're trying to get to know and you're trying to display the love and mercy of Christ. Some of you might be thinking, well, pastor doesn't really care if we come to church. That's not the case at all. What I'm saying is far better for you to express mercy in a failing situation in your life or somebody else's than to put your foot down and say, we are always in the church when the doors are open to the detriment of your marriage, to the detriment of your family, or to the neglect of an unsaved person. But in verse 8, Jesus really puts an end to the whole discussion when he says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Harvest. There's a little saying that people use nowadays when they make a really good point to say, drop the mic, right? Make a really good point, drop the mic. In other words, this is what Jesus essentially does. Says the son of the man is Lord of the harvest. Drop the mic, enough said, we're done here. As the eternal God, Jesus was there on the first Sabbath day when God created the heavens and the earth and he rested on the seventh day. He is truly the Lord of the Sabbath. He, has been, he had been there through all the Sabbath days. He had been there for every single one. The Sabbath would not lord over Jesus. The Sabbath would not lord over the disciples. The disciples, or, or the, the, the Sabbath eventually in the passage we look at next, is not going to lord over the man with the withered hand. Jesus was Lord of the Sabbath. But remember, God desires mercy. And so in the next several verses that we see, Uh, Jesus enters into a synagogue. According to Luke, this is actually a different Sabbath day. But within this paragraph, we see an example of Christ displaying mercy to a man, regardless of what day it was. Jesus is very clearly practicing what he's preaching. And he's going to illustrate how displaying mercy on the Sabbath is done. It turned out that there was a man within the synagogue with a withered hand. In one way or another, his hand was crippled in some way. It was withered, it was taken in. It was of no use at all. And so the Pharisees came to him and asked Jesus if it was lawful to heal on the Sabbath. And the, and the passage tells us exactly why they did this. They wanted to accuse him. Essentially, what they were trying to see is if Jesus considered it work to heal somebody on the Sabbath and if he would do it. And verse 10 again says that the reason they did it was they were trying to accuse him. They had already gotten his disciples. They already had accused them. Now they wanted to accuse Jesus. And in response to the Pharisees, Jesus does the same thing he did to them before and replies to them with an example. Look at verse 11. He said to them, Which of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. The basic idea is that if you had an animal and it fell into a pit on the Sabbath day, would you not work in order to get it out? Would you not be merciful to that animal, that lamb or whatever, and try to pull it out of that pit regardless of what day of the week it is? And this is an incredible 
question from Jesus and it exposes the Pharisees. Because if one of their animals fell into a pit on the Sabbath day, even the Pharisees would have reached down in some way and worked and labored to get that animal out. This would be a matter of life and death for the animal. This would be a matter of mercy. And Jesus says, of how much more value is the life of a man than a sheep? I know some of you are animal lovers here, but Jesus is clear that humans are far more valuable than an animal. But his point to the Pharisees is that if one of their own sheep fell into the big hole on a Sabbath day, they would do whatever it would take to get that animal out. But at the same time, they wouldn't even be willing to help a man who had a withered hand be healed on the Sabbath day. A man whose life is worth far more than that of a sheep. They wouldn't help that man, but they would help their sheep out of a pit. One author said this, If God is pleased when animals are rescued on the Sabbath, he certainly approves when men who are of far more value than animals find healing on the day of rest. As I was studying this, it reminded me of the parable that Jesus gave of the Good Samaritan. Remember the, the Jewish man who was beaten and he was robbed, he was stripped, everything was taken away from him, and he was half dead and lying on the side of the road. A priest walks by, right? And he walks right by on the other side of the road and he leaves the Jewish man there. A Levite walks by, and he walks by on the other side of the road as well. But then the Good Samaritan comes, and he cares for this man. But essentially what these Pharisees are doing is they're walking on the other side of the road from this man with a withered hand, all because of what day of the week it was. The heart of God is merciful. Yet these Pharisees who claimed to know God, to know so much about him, and they fancied themselves of having hearts after God, They lacked any ounce of compassion that Jesus himself expresses upon this man with a messed up hand. For Jesus, this was all very much common sense. Of course you would heal somebody on the Sabbath day. It didn't matter what day of the week it was because it was to display mercy upon the man. Mercy which was the heart of God. And without saying another word to the Pharisees, he simply looks at this man with the withered hand and he says, stretch out your hand. And this guy stretches out his hand and it's as good as his other hand. An act of mercy. What an incredible Christ we have who would take the time to do this, who doesn't walk on the other side of the road from somebody who is need. Again, come to me, you man with a withered hand. I will give you rest. But look how the Pharisees respond in verse 14. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. This is really the first indication that we see this kind of thing coming from the Pharisees. We knew that they didn't quite like Jesus, but here they are deciding and figuring out how they are going to destroy Jesus. Jesus' proper understanding of the Sabbath and what he practices on the Sabbath day finally and fully push the Pharisees to go and begin figuring out how they could destroy him. This is really the chapter, and we'll see it throughout the remainder of the chapter, where the Pharisees really begin picking up on this kind of thing, where they really start to think, we're going to get rid of Jesus. This is really the turning point in the book of Matthew, where things go from, oh, there's this rabbi Jesus, to, oh, there's this rabbi Jesus, and we want to kill him. So this is the moment where this is all beginning to happen. At this point, they have observed Jesus. They have observed his disciples. They have accused his disciples of working on the Sabbath. Now they are accusing Jesus of working on the Sabbath day. And soon they would destroy him. You see very clearly here that what Jesus is doing and saying has severe consequences. 
to go against the grain of the day, to go against these religious rulers, was going to eventually cost him his life. You think of these two situations where the the disciples are walking around in this grain field and then the other one where Jesus heals the man with the withered hand. Christ completely shreds and removes the bondage. He takes it away. Pulls it right out of these situations. The Pharisee said, you are not to pick heads of grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, have you not read about David? Have you not read about the priests and how they remain guiltless? The Pharisees questioned Jesus in order to accuse him. Is it right to heal a man on the Sabbath day? And Jesus says, I don't know. Let's see. Stretch out your hand. And the hand is made well. What an incredibly merciful Christ do we have to stand toe-to-toe with these Pharisees and rip the bondage off of the situations. He was giving rest. He told all those who were weary and heavy laden to come and find rest in him, to take off the yoke of the Pharisees and to take on the yoke of Christ. My prayer is that if you are without Christ here this morning, that you will come to him and acknowledge your need of the rest that can only be found in him. For those of you who know Christ, that you find yourself with a yoke of legalism around your neck, you must remember that the yoke of Christ is completely unlike the yoke of the Pharisees. It is an easy yoke. His burden is light. So let's pray. Let's let's thank the Lord of the Sabbath for his mercy toward us. Father, we do thank you for it. You've been so merciful to those who do not deserve mercy. We thank you for sending Christ. Christ, we thank you for submitting to the Father's plan and coming here, living perfectly, dying on that cross, rising again on our behalf. Lord, I pray they continue to help us in our understanding. Spirit, apply these words to our hearts and our lives. May we go from here, having come to Christ, realizing that his Yoke is easy and his burden is light. I pray this all in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Brandon Dyer, pastor of Windsor Christian Fellowship in Windsor, Maine. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge them or alter the content in any way without permission. We invite you to visit our church online at www.windsorchristianfellowship.org. There, you'll find sermons and other information about our church. If you have a need or would like further information, call 242-0126 or email us at wcfmain at gmail.com. Our mailing address is Windsor Christian Fellowship, 11 Reed Road, Windsor, Maine, 04363. Windsor Christian Fellowship exists to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ through the evangelization of unbelievers and the edification of believers so that all might be glad in God.